Where is this place? For some reason, the cool bars in Hollywood have to be hard to find and have, have no sign. It's kind of like a speakeasy kind of thing. It's kind of cool. It's like you're in on some kind of secret, you know? You tell a chick you've been someplace, it's like bragging that you know how to find it. Hello? Hey, how are you? Good. Hey there, campers, and welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, serving the best of comic books and the best of cocktails for three whole episodes now. This week we are discussing 2007's The Civil War, just in time for that lovely little film, small little thing you may have heard of, called Captain America 3, Civil War, coming out this weekend. I know you're all excited for it, we were excited for it too, so we went back to 2007, way back then, and reintroduced ourselves to the comic book that inspired the film. We had varying degrees of uh, appreciation for this, and uh, you will definitely hear that. If you want to play a fun little drinking game at home while you listen to this, take a shot every time you hear Q let out an exasperated sigh. Actually, you probably don't want to do that. It's probably a really bad idea. I'm attempting to record this via a phone call, a court recording app that I just bought. <laughs> did you just go buy a phone recording app? I just did, yeah. I was like, oh, here, we'll just give this a shot. Okay, awesome. So we'll see if this works. Unfortunately, due to like life schedules and you know technical difficulties and the things that come up, our good friend Q was not able to join us when we initially recorded that, so we're doing another uh, mix-in, as you will. He joined us via telephone, so that explains some of the uh, audio quality. Also, stay tuned to the end of it. There's a lot of Prince tributes going on right now because, of course, Prince has recently died. And I have a personal friend who happened to have a very interesting and very entertaining story about Prince. So, if you stay to the end of this episode, we have something fun for you. Or if you like what you hear, you can find us at funnybooksandfirewater.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us at Instagram. You can find us on Twitter as well. If you have any questions, comments, things better left unsaid, please let us know. If you have some suggestions for books, suggestions for booze, suggestions for haircuts... We'd be interested, I guess. Sit back, read along, drink along, and enjoy our good friends Adam, Todd, and by phone, Q, as we discuss 2007's Civil War, written by Mark Millar and a bunch of other people who did art and things like that, because it's a big corporate comic book, and that's how these things work out. So, please, uh, sit back and enjoy, and uh, I'll talk to you on the flip side. Okay, so am I currently being recorded? Yes, you are. That's why I'm aware so, we are talking to Adam and Todd. Adam, you want to do your intro? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm Adam McDonald. Uh, I do a billion things. Uh, film critic for Big Shiny Robot, the Board as Hell podcast, and recently picked up the geeksout.org page. Uh, so, I'm busy everywhere. Um, and, yeah, that's me. <laughs> what, what is the geeksout.org page? Because I heard so, you that a couple days ago, and I, I'm not certain what that all is. Yeah, Geeks Out, they're, uh, I think they're based kind of in New York. They Their main demographic is New York, L.A. Uh, it's basically just a, an LGBT geek page. So everything from comics to movies to video games. And <clears throat> they are called, like, hey, do you want to come write for us? I'm like, sure, here's my work. Do you want a film critic? Uh, they said, sure. So... I gotta help them devise their their rating system. Uh, just kind of get them more credited with some of the big names out there, the PR companies, so we can get the name out. And it's it's a lot of fun. Some really cool stuff. Uh, if you're LGBT or not, you know they they talk about everything um, with a bit more of a queer bent to it. But it's it's fun though. It's they're a good group of people. Um, we bitch and moan at each other on Slack all the time, so it's been fun. Awesome, and joining us this week, we also have my long-term friend who's put up with me for longer than any human being should put up with another human being outside of marriage, my buddy Todd. Todd, go ahead and introduce yourself to the world. Hi, I'm Todd Pilkington. As Brian said, I've been known him for 
22 years. Man, we're getting God, old. That makes me feel old. Makes me I know, really right? Old. <laughs> so, I grew up with Brian. I am an enthusiast. I read and watch a lot of movies. I work in a warehouse and point and tell people what to do mostly. So I'm just here for a good time and to have a opinion from good old shiny Utah. <laughs> there you go. I will say this is an interesting thing I will bring up since Todd has joined this. So Todd mm-hmm. and I grew up together. We went to school together. Um, we were even roommates in college shortly before he got married. Mm-hmm. Neither of us read comics while we were actually living in the same state. I moved out of the state. I went to North Carolina and California. I come back to visit one time and suddenly we both realize, reveal to each other we become comic book nerds. Completely separate <laughs> of each other. But we both become comic book nerds. It's one of those funny things where it's like, you know, I mean, and it's great, and it was awesome, because then all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, have you read this? Yes, and it was like, it was this weird kindred spirit of like, wow, we spent a lot of time growing up together because we became both comic book nerds at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah, it was so, a transition from DVDs to comic books, it seems to be like just a write off on each other. Exactly, right, and I mean, comic books in some ways take up a little less space on the shelf just because they're thinner, but there are a lot more of them to read. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, apparently I, you've never seen Jeremiah's room then, because that's, that's a lie. <laughs> I'm kind of envious of that, actually, and I'll have to check that out at some point in time. Uh, rock on, so drink-wise, I actually, being the terrible bartender that I am, I made an attempt to actually make a drink, and I did a nice little Google search because I was bored at work, and mm-hmm. uh, there's actually a drink called the Civil War, which, as we're oh. discussing today, is the Civil War. And it's actually not half bad. It's good enough that I made one, and um, I drank it, and uh, and then Jess was like, can you make me one of those? And so I made one for her, and it's not bad. It's basically um, a, uh, uh, a Jack and Coke with, mm-hmm. uh, with Southern Comfort as well. That's basically what it is. Oh. Um, so I will put up the website, or the uh, the, uh, the recipe on our, ad, our website, but it's basically mm-hmm. like, off the top of my head, and don't quote me on this, uh, it's two ounces of uh, Jack, two ounces of Southern Comfort, a half an ounce of grenadine if you want that cherry flavor and then like six mm-hmm. ounces of coke which i just finished off the rest of it but pretty tasty <laughs> theme to the um the show and i pre-gamed with that so i'm going to consider that what i'm drinking right now todd are you drinking anything right now i don't have anything at the moment i just got back i did go to uh, mount vernon and i picked up some washington based um george washington based whiskey mm. so How the is distiller- it? did you actually taste it I did. Not good. (laughs) (laughs) Had wooden teeth and made shitty whiskey. Okay, got it. That's how that goes. Yeah. I'm like, it was the same people who would give you the tour and says, this is his distillery. It says, and we made whiskey from it. It's authentic to the time period. Like, is it any good? And they just went back. It's authentic to the time period. Yeah, that should have been a warning sign right there. (laughs) Yeah. And Adam, what are you drinking? Um, it's interesting you brought up uh, touring the, the thing because I actually am doing a Cuba Libre, which is the official term of a rum and coke. However, uh, kind of saying, I couldn't think of a Civil War type thing, but I was thinking, you know, we were in Puerto Rico and we were touring the Bacardi factory. And when we got out, the uh, lady who's on our tour bus who was taking us all over, she's like, no, you don't don't drink Bacardi. You know, all the Puerto Ricans drink uh, Barlito rum. And it's only available in Puerto Rico. You can't even import it. Like, you can... You know, if someone goes over and smuggles some back, you can get it. Um, it's a very sweet kind of rum, but it's what they drink. And I thought Cap would be just fine with the fact that Puerto Rico, it's their choice if they want to join or not join the United States mm-hmm. as a state. So, uh, but yeah, rum, it's a very typical rum and Coke. It's like two ounces of rum, four ounces or more of Coke. But the difference is you've got to add lime to it. That's what makes it the difference between a Cuba Libre and uh, rum and Coke. 
So I learned that in Puerto Rico. <laughs> and if you use uh, Malibu rum, then you become a sorority girl, which is also awesome. <laughs> hey, I make a very delicious drink with Malibu rum that has wrecked young Jeremiah. So I, I'm not shocked by that. <laughs> I learned a long time ago not to try to out drink the gays because you will lose very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> gays who work in retail are the worst. Oh, I'm sure. I, you know what? I just well, or, or gays in entertainment. Those are uh, those are a dangerous breed as well to try to drink with. Yeah, um, don't try to keep up. We'll win every single time. So <laughs> I have learned my lesson. So the first thing is, so drink wise, I think I think my Civil War drink would be Captain America themed. It would be called it's so it's based on what's known as the Dennis the Menace, which is uh, me and my friends we refer to it as tasting like summer. It's uh, I think like pineapple juice and cranberry and I think some kinds of rum or whatever. But I would layer it with like some blue curacao to give it a red, white, and blue and kind of a thing. Just because it's just so wholesome, which is the complete opposite of what this whole story is. It is not wholesome. Captain America fights dirty. Iron Man fights dirty. Everyone's fighting dirty. It's, it is all all kinds of craziness that happen in, in this book. Okay, so jumping into Civil War, um, mm-hmm. a little backstory on this, because to be honest with you, I read it again. I've had this trade for a while, and this is one of the trades. Uh, this was event was going on when I first started reading comics. I think it was in Connecticut when I started reading comics, which we discussed in a previous episode. And I remember this event going on, I started reading it, and I actually, oddly enough, read this book more because at that point in time Joss Whedon was writing Runaways and because I was a movie nerd one of my transitionary things was reading the Runaways that Joss Whedon wrote and because they were involved in that I kind of ended up reading um, the uh, uh, Civil War as well to tie into that my question is because I don't necessarily understand what is the the story going on with the X-Men and you know they're kind of not involved but there's obviously something that's happened previous and I'm not necessarily aware of that uh, Adam do you, do you know what's going on or Todd do you know what's going on with that beforehand? Just to some backstory. This is the first time I've ever read Civil War. I haven't really oh, read really? Marvel in the past in general. So, yeah, reading this was a whole new thing. And I had also run, read The Runaways going right there, and I was interested in that. But, yeah, with the Civil War thing, it was new to me. So that was an interesting read. Yeah, for me, Civil War, I've read it before. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that you... You know, you, when you read this was when this came out was when I just moved to Utah from California, and mm. that's when everything kind of was an upheaval. And I think I might have mentioned before that when I first moved to Utah, I had all my stuff on my car. I was chilling on a friend's couch waiting to get an apartment, and I had all my comics and my magic cards and cool stuff in there. And the neighbors had the car towed because they thought it was like abandoned. And like really, because I've been getting in and out of the car every single day for like a month now. Uh, but all my comic, I had like first appearance of Venom and first appearance of Carnage and comics that are worth like the one where Venom thinks he kills Spider-Man. Like I was at uh, fan experience a couple weeks ago and saw it there for like 200 bucks. I'm like, oh, that would have been nice to still have. <laughs> um, so needless to say, I got, I just didn't have time for comics at that time. So I didn't read this until I want to say more like 2010 or 11 was when I actually read this for the first time and then went back and revisited today. So um, I wish I could dive in and tell you, like, hey, this is what's going on with the X-Men. Uh, but at this point in time, you know I was just trying to live their own life and stay, you know, stay in Switzerland. Like there's a lot of stuff going on with the X-Men and it just was a really, a really hard time for them because they just had the decimation, which was when um, a lot of mutants lost their powers and um, 
they kind of made a conservation or, or a concentration camp, a, a reservation for the for the mutants at, at Big Radius, and they set up sentinels to watch them. They weren't allowed to go anywhere without the sentinels following them. There's little hints of that at the, at the beginning of the book, and then when Tony Stark comes in to talk to Emma Frost about, hey, you know. You guys should come join my team, and Emma's like, um, "Where the hell were you guys when we were going through all of our nonsense? Nowhere. That's why." And you know, they were just kind of like, "Hey, you guys find out. We we got our own stuff to deal with." <sighs> there, I mean, there's just a lot of problems with the with because once again, like there's there's more to the story. There's like all of these other tie-ins, but this is just like its own trade paperback. There's not a whole lot, and even even like on this on this cover, on the back cover, there's a picture of Professor Xavier. He's like not even in this story at all. Why is he even there? Anyway. <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. <laughs> it's like, like it's, it's just like he's not he's not even in the story. He's not he's literally not there. In fact, I think he was dead at the time. So like, I was like, dead at the time. <laughs> So this was after House of M. Now he was living on Genosha at the time in that terrible Chris Claremont third Excalibur series or second Excalibur series, which was god awful. Um, but uh, and like there, there's like the slightest hint of Wolverine because you know they, he had to you know toe the line even though he was an Avenger at the time. He had to toe the line because the X Men were like, no, we're remaining neutral. Um, Although, speaking of, my favorite sort of storyline that ties into this, that isn't in this book, so, you know, there's a little meeting between Tony Stark and Emma Frost, and that's where she just says, we're remaining neutral, and she accuses him of, uh, you know, not helping when Genosha was completely destroyed by the Sentinels, you know, a few years before this. And, uh, you know, so they just leave it at that. So later in, um, I believe it's in the new X-Men series, Ms. Marvel comes to sort of try to re-recruit them into the Civil War. And because, you know, Carol Danvers has a closer relationship with with more of the X-Men. And uh, once again, Emma Frost just shuts her down and she's like, uh, excuse me, once again, so we're here on this, quote, protected reservation of mutants. And that was right when the bus full of their students just got murdered. And you're coming here again trying to tell us to go join your fight when you, where were you when we're burying our children? Like they, they came to Stanford to help clean up. The X mm-hmm. came, but then when they're burying their children, none of the Avengers came. So I, I just like that. So it's just like a real like a whoop. Like mm-hmm. oh you you know you you guys are busy doing your things. Like you know we're literally at the time the mutant race was just dying. Just everyone was dying and. Anyway, well, and Q is definitely an X Men expert, so I will, mm-hmm. I will ask him for information. So I'm sure on this podcast we will know what actually was going yeah. on. With the and we'll just edit this part out, and we'll put him in, and we'll all seem like geniuses. It'll be great. <laughs> of course. Okay. So we'll all sit there and go, "Oh, Q, thanks for all that information. That's amazing." And just sit there um, and like, you know, stroke our beards and go, "Yes, <laughs> that's wonderful that's insight, Q." <laughs> yes, yes. We, we we all we all knew and we all agreed, and we were not morons on that topic whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so. Yeah, so uh, the I guess the basis, which I'm sure you guys covered when you guys all were talking, is uh, there's this guy. There, there's 
the new warrior to I remember the new warriors and they were actually pretty cool in the um, in the mid 90s I guess or maybe earlier 90s um, and they were kind of just like the young Avengers before the young Avengers became a thing and they were just sort of like these also ran teenage heroes that decided to just join together um, and I guess thing is that so off panel somehow they became the reality show superheroes and um, in their sort of like trying to get fame they attacked this group of supervillains that were living in um, Connecticut and one of them happened to be Nitro who can blow himself up and in their sort of like over eagerness uh, Nitro blew himself up and blew up also like an elementary school and a whole like half, half the town that, that they were in which causes people to really question the role of superheroes and uh, it's further like kind of further along skipping it a bit ahead it just sort of like breaks the ideologies of Captain America and Iron Man where Iron Man is like yeah we should totally register heroes and they should be um, you know like federal employees and you know besides getting benefits for the heroes but it just makes them more legit whereas Captain America is like no like we we can't do that like that puts you know people at you know more people at risk because they know who we are and um, you know we're just trying to be out there fighting the good fight all this stuff so they just kind of split into these teams and it's also just kind of interesting who who joins which team uh, like I guess some of them make sense but you know a lot of the more street level heroes uh, the people who are I guess with quote more to lose because of you know where it is that they fight crime and stuff join Captain America like Daredevil and Luke Cage um, and, and sort of like the I guess premier Avengers like uh Ms. Marvel, Spider-Woman, um, those guys, and then Spider-Man eventually um, joins Iron Man. Anyway, it's, it's, there's a lot that happens in this book, and uh, to me, it's it sort of, I don't know if Civil War was kind of the first one, but it, it definitely sort of turned the way that Marvel does its like crossover storylines where it's just like these giant events where there's not a whole lot of it's in the main books anyway because of course there's all the tie-ins that happen throughout the, the entire marvel line um but it's like there's like the the repercussions aren't felt in the story so like the main story usually feels a little disjointed because you know that there's more happening but you know the book is only so big and so there's for example, Spider-Man reveals a secret identity to the world at a press conference, but it, it just kind of seems to me a little hollow because you really don't see him debating over it. You don't see the process of him joining Iron Man's side. You don't see him talking about it with his wife, Mary Jane, or his Aunt Meg about you know the dangers that they could face because he's revealing to the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And um, so there's like there's not anything like that, and then there's like the little hint of what's going on with the X-Men. There's like the little hint of of, of uh, you know what's going on in the Fantastic Four, and, and jo Johnny Storm is attacked by like street thugs, pretty much, which 
seems also ridiculous to me. Um, okay, so the, the interesting thing um, that I kind of read, and this is a heavy book, and I realized after doing uh, Killing Joke last week and Civil War this week, we got some heavy shit going on in this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, which, luckily, next week will hopefully be a little lighter. Um, but there is some interesting, like, I noticed uh, there's some interesting in, uh, parallels between the, like, 1960s treatment of Vietnam soldiers and that kind of thing, especially with, like, Johnny Storm of, like, he goes out to a party and gets beat up for being a baby killer and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then, and in my mind, it actually sort of paralleled that. But then as you kind of look at it, what's going on now with Muslims and with, um, you know, transgender and all sorts of, like, it's kind of a, it kind of discusses, like, a human need or a human freaking out of, um, you know, all sorts of stuff of, uh, you know, anything that people don't understand, they get afraid of. And, uh, I mean, I, it kind of still resonates more now than I would have expected to. I kind of would have expected it to be dated to the time, but it actually still resonates quite a lot. Well, yeah, and, you know, you brought up the fact that pe- you know, people always fear what's different. And that's something that has never changed through all of recorded history. Um, you know, oh, my God, we're all white and this person's black. Kill him. Or, hey, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're all Asian and you're white. Kill him. Or, you're gay and I'm straight. Kill him. You know, it's, it's all just... Holy crap! There's something different than I am, um, and it, it, it's just evolution. It's our survival instinct kicking in that like-minded people and things tend to group together for the betterment of their society. And unfortunately, that worked really, really well when we lived in caves and you know had to go fight you know wild animals and you know we're doing our best to survive. But as you know, we've grown as society and become cultured. Unfortunately, that rat and lizard brain part of your brainstem still exists and. You know, it takes more of our a dedicated effort to kind of override that. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, so much in here. Just you know, places like still resonates today. I mean, the transgender mm-hmm. using bathrooms is a huge issue, and everyone's freaked out. Like, oh my god, what if there's a man in a dress next to me? I'm like, well, first of all, you know, I have many transgender friends, and knowing them, you don't, they don't like a man in a dress. You know, they're they're like, hey, I'm. You know, I'm a woman, I'm a man, whatever they're, you know, they're switching over from. And guess what? You've already been doing it for the last 15, 20 years of your life, and you just didn't know it. You're freaking out now because now this information is being brought to your head. And again, it's just, it's that lizard part of your brain that's just getting angry at everything for no reason. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, not to get too much into politics. Um, actually, me and my wife were having this conversation earlier today. Um, and it was one of the interesting things. When I was uh, in Seattle, we went to the roasting house of Starbucks, which is supposed to be this big deal. And I'm not a huge coffee drinker, so it make much of a difference. But it was interesting because in there, they truly had a, um, a universal bathroom. And so what it was is there was one sink area for everyone, but then it was every stall was, you know, door, floor to ceiling, completely private little stall, but there was just like a row of them. So, you know, male or female, however you identified, you went into a stall, you did your business, and then you washed your hands with everybody else. And I feel like on that respect, I think ultimately that's probably going to be the way things are going to go. And it's probably fine other than the fact that I don't think that there'll be as much, you know, women going to the bathroom together to gossip when, you know, they're out on a date or not. But, you know, they'll probably find some way. Um, <laughs> Tell me know, more but, of this strange thing called a woman date. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, you go on a double date and the girls disappear to go chat or, you know, I don't know what they do, but they always seem to go in pairs. And I think that the only thing that, that might be lost in the long run is probably that. that. The, another ma- major plot point, which is kind of, in my opinion, a little bit of a dick move. So obviously, in, in the, towards the beginning of the story, they, they reintroduced Goliath to a sort of the, quote, black giant man. And... Um, 
like he really hasn't been seen in comic books in a long time like he was never like a premier avenger or anything he was you know just kind of around off panel but like they kind of reintroduced him to the end of the story obviously because they're going to kill him later and it's this big thing that um that he is murdered by the Thor clone that uh, Hank Pym and Mr. Fantastic put together. So I'm like, why the hell are they putting together a Thor clone? What is this? Where did this come from? Why did they come up with this idea that this would be a good idea for him to do? And so, like, the whole the whole story to me just gets really muddled, really crazy. But it just sets up this dynamic of you have to have these big events and then you have to read all of the adjoining stories to really get the full picture because even the ending with Captain America getting arrested like even that's really not fulfilling like there's it's not really the end of the story but that's the end of you know Civil War number seven and mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the whole event just feels kind of shallow kind of like the, like the, they all they wanted to do is they wanted to make this big drastic change and kind of change the status quo for a lot of people so they just kind of put this together and they kind of made it happen They're like okay so now so we can say there's this you know uh, relationship rift with Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman and the Fantastic Four line and now Spider-Man has revealed his identity so let's deal with that in the Spider-Man books and Captain America is now arrested so we can deal with that in the Captain America books so it's like well it, like it, especially because like everything, everything is like such an event. So I take it back. I just realized that Civil War was definitely not one of the one of the ones that started. It. House of M was one before this, and I'm sure there were more before that. But it just it just seems like it was like every two years, Marvel built up this event that was going to happen. And how shocking can this be? Because the whole House of M thing was. The Scarlet Witch going crazy after she um, decimated the decimated the or no it was uh, disassembled was the name of that where she disassembled the Avengers and then it was like well how do we deal with the Scarlet Witch because obviously she's gone crazy and she made a parallel universe and blah 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 um so I, I don't know and like the, the the shocking death of Goliath just doesn't seem to be that shocking it's like oh hey we brought the sea lifter I wonder what's gonna happen because he sure has a lot of lines for a sea lifter the other thing I noticed that's interesting is, is of course the story starts out with reality television ruling the uh, ruining everything uh, which <laughs> is you know only to be expected I guess and so uh, uh, my, my thought though was is that I want to. I want to feel like if people actually saw the events happening, if it was truly broadcast as it was, and they saw that the people were just going for ratings, it, they would have had the evidence there to say, okay, no, this is not a broad scope, you know, thing where we are against all superheroes. But of course, you know, knowing society, that probably is not right. You know, everyone would probably freak out anyway, no matter what. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, does it? Do you think it would change? If, I mean, if people really saw all the evidence that was out there, do you think like in the secret story that we don't see, you know, that things were edited and and you know the media was manipulated to you know make the the superheroes suddenly seem like bad guys just because they're suddenly there to seem like bad guys? Um, I can go, Todd. Up to you. I don't know if you want to. You go. I'm in. still collecting my thoughts here on that. <laughs> Um, weird questions. I apologize. No, no, you're fine. I think it's. I think we kind of have a similar. And again, it's really hard not to be political. <laughs> the title is called Civil War, and yeah. it's about political ideologies. Uh, I think we have the same thing going on right now with, uh, you know, with 
the average everyday Muslim person and the crazy people who are ISIS. I mean, you could, you know, even though it's non quote unquote reality TV, the fact of the matter is that we still have, you know, CNN, Fox News, you know, everyone out there putting up these videos of, you know, the you know, evil people, evil people who happen to be Muslim saying and doing horrible things like throwing people off of buildings or stoning people or, you know, reading little, like the horrible diatribes before they kill someone. Um, that's just as effective in a sense a form of reality show that's been edited and primed to make it look how they want it to look to present a message when you know I, I'm not, not going to go off percentages here because I don't know but I would gather over 99% of Muslim people are just like you and me who want to live their life in peace and do what they want um, and so they're now being betrayed in this bad light because of these people out there and then we've got people over here and other places who are just who will just do a knee-jerk reaction and be like well how come you're not condemning them and they're like well I'm not a public person I'm not going to go on you know make go stand on the street corner with a megaphone denouncing all these people like I don't believe what they're doing is right but I'm just trying to live my life and that's not even part of me that's over there that's thousands of miles away so I think very much in something like this where we're talking about oh well, it was and I'm flipping through it on my iPad when I'm looking down mm-hmm. um, you know oh well it was a very small number of these people looking for fame <clears throat> looking for glory and then it becomes well how come you're not doing anything like that's what you mentioned with um human torch getting the crap kicked out of him in front of a club because just because he was part of that group of people they assumed he was complicit in what they were doing and again it's just certain people have again they change they're afraid of change afraid of what's different and that's the reaction they have is to automatically judge any person part of that group just because they're associated with that doesn't mean they believe in it or that they would actually go out and do it and they actually might be out there trying to stop it but some people will never look at them any differently just because oh hey you're a superhero you're an x-men you're a muslim you know well and taking that closer to home i mean we all have in some way or another spent a lot of time in great salt lake and you know being from utah you're naturally whether you are or not you're actually naturally associated with the mormon religion and then of course if you're associated with the mormon religion the first thing they think of is, is the the outrun groups of polygamists and whatnot you know in southern utah so it's like you know, where I work, um, they, you know, oftentimes will have you somehow pronounce, you know, where you're from. And I typically will now use the location of a TV show or a superhero, um, you know, to, <laughs> as, an, as, as an actual hometown. Because the problem was, is every time I put that I was from Utah on there, I'd have a, oh, how many wives does your dad have? Or, you know, whatever. And so, like, even, I mean, Muslim is a, is a big one, but, like, it still happens in Utah. It still happens, I mean, and I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, it happens with all sorts of different groups on, on subtle or larger uh, scales, you know? So, as I was watching it, I agree with you. By the way, Brian, the answer is always, my dad has three wives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> always. Yeah. yeah, you watched a bit of love. So. That's right. <laughs> the answer's three. You know, while I was reading it and whatnot, you have Iron Man there and Reed Richards and the whole idea of adding this registration regulating it. I kind of could see it from their point of view. And in some ways, it was really bringing in, there are these unknown entities wrecking this havoc as seen because there's so much we don't know. If we're able to put a face and you get someone to know it and then we can see it in that regard, it could bring some understanding do it as well and if you want to go back with um the transgender and the gay people people are easy to demonize those they do not know but once you introduce them to someone they know and says hey this is a good guy you know i'm going to change my stance on that yeah well and some of us are truly evil so keep that in mind and that happens yeah well, and um, you do have the agenda to make us all gay that's how that goes right well that's the point and, and the japanese people just you know figure out who's gay or not so 
Yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's a deep South Park joke. I hope someone gets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you go ahead and watch it though, and I could really see some aspects of Iron Man's agenda of wanting to Peter Parker unmasking himself, be it as it may. I really saw that point of view, and I could see myself supporting that, even though it may seem the um, super villains could go after Peter. But if the public at large could have an understanding and this superhero in his own way, even though he's a superhero that makes him different, he's still just this guy. And he's just one of those things as well. And in that regard, we're just like everyone else and the superheroes. They just are a little bit different, but mostly we're all just the same with the same fears, hopes and dreams as anyone else. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I, that totally makes sense. And I, I agree with that to play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. My difference is, is that, I mean, we'll say Peter Parker, for example, and a policeman are both there to kind of uphold, you know, peace and try to help out people. The problem ends up becoming Peter Parker is living on a much broader scale with much more dangerous people. So mm-hmm. his anonymity is part of his safety, whereas a police officer, you know, the fact that they are just an average guy is part of their anonymity. You know what I mean? You might know that specifically officer whoever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when they go home, the likelihood of someone, you know, hunting them down is a little bit less, but there is still that chance, which is why, you know, even whenever they travel, former like police officers and, and still sometimes former police officers are required and or, you know, suggested to carry a gun with them all the time because you mm-hmm. never know if like you arrested so-and-so, he's pissed off about it. He happens to see you when you're in line at the grocery store. You might suddenly have a problem because he recognized you as a cop. You know, and if Spider-Man, who is working on a a scale where he is dealing with the Green Goblin and all these much larger Mm -hmm. characters, if his anonymity is suddenly gone, you know, there is a greater danger for him and his family. So I understand that. I'm not a huge fan of this book. It just feels really kind of, I don't don't know, like muddled. And because then even Iron Man like brings in villains to help fight on the side of help fight on his side of, quote, shield, the, quote, good guys, because, you know, the Captain America's team are, you know, these rebels or whatever. And it's, uh, like, like that, that immediately clouds his ideology of, well, we should be registered people, but you're registering villains. Like, mm-hmm. to, to, to go fight your own friends, it's just, uh, uh, I, I'm just not a fan of, of this <laughs> crossover in general. Anyway, I'm just, I feel like I'm just ranting. I know, but it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm, just, I'm just ranting at this at this story. I'm just so mad. And like Iron Man was just such a dick in this whole thing, and I just, I, I don't understand why. I just, like I don't even understand his motivation aside from the fact that he looks like a complete asshole and this woman spit in his face. Like I don't understand why he's he, he's being such a jerk. I do think, kind of jumping on your thought process, that both ideas in this actually have validity. I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong answer to the question that is posed in this book. I Mm -hmm. do think it becomes ultimately a matter of execution as to which side handles it better. And really, ultimately, what, what makes sides break down is when they lose sight of what their actual belief system is and just want to win. You know, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thought. That's what I love so much about this storyline is that mm-hmm. even though I do, I am I do side with Team Cap, and I'm very very excited for the movie coming out in a week or so. Um, I can still understand Tony's perspective as far as his like, hey, you know, we're we're doing things that are hurting people, and in this situation, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds died. Um, you know, 
if we're going to go out there and, you know, some people have superpowers, some have a suit of iron, whatever. Um, like you mentioned with a police officer, do police officers, before they get their badge and gun, they go through a lot of training. You know, they have to go and they have to, you know, pass physical fitness, they have to learn how to shoot, they have to do this, they have to know the law. And the strike against the vigilantes is that, well, they go out there and do whatever they want. And sure, they're not killing anyone, but, you know, how do we know that one of them doesn't lose control and then, you know, blow up or, or go the wrong way or go looking for glory? So why shouldn't we train these people? Yeah, train them, get them ready to go, and then, you know, pay them. Make, make sure they can make a living off this. So, like, you know, if Peter Parker was part of this and, you know, this Spider-Man, he quit the Daily Bugle and not to worry about, oh, crap, where's my next paycheck coming from when he's essentially being taken care of. Mm. Um, but also, like I said, on Team Cap, where I'm very, very much against the idea of giving up liberty for security reasons and again we can go into that but forever and ever and again that's not really a hole i want to dive into because we're having fun here um but you know it's it's the idea that oh well if you just you know if you just let the police look at your computer all the time no matter what you're doing if you're not a criminal you have nothing to hide you know we'll make sure we catch all the real criminals or you know and it goes from there so it's it's very much the libertarian streak in me that <laughs> sides with cap but I can understand where Tony Stark's coming from. Um, but like you mentioned, it was the fact that they lost sight of the actual issue. And in the end, when Cap finally gives up, he's like, we stopped fighting for the issue. We were just fighting to fight. And that's why he ended it all. Because mm-hmm. um, any kind of any kind of revolution or any kind of, you know, well, I guess a war in a sense, can quickly lose sight of, hey, we're, fi- we're the good guys. We're fighting for truth, justice, and, you know, <clears throat> everything else to being like, well, we're, now we're just proving we're right. It doesn't matter if we're doing the wrong things like Tony did when he brings in Venom and all the bad guys. It doesn't matter if you're going about it the wrong way so long as you're, quote unquote, doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it also has to do with, you know, how much you actually trust the government to do what's right as well on that respect. Um, and I do think it's interesting that uh, Captain America, who is, you know, has America in his name, is almost more of a symbol of distrust of the government. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily know if they're the right people to be handling all this kind of information, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, that's why he, he eventually said, hey, I'm not, I'm not here to fight for America. I'm here to fight for, you know, mankind, much mm-hmm. like Superman did when he uh, was it Superman 900, was it? I, or, you know what? I, I've only read like Red Sun and uh, Earth One. So oh, it was uh, not my forte. It, you know, it was like I think it was Action Comics or whatever it is number nine hundred. Um, and I believe the front cover it's a reenactment of that uh, the girl who was putting like the the flower in the gun. And it was oh, the, yeah, okay. I think the, she was the, putting, the, yeah. I think she yeah, put the flower a, behind Superman's ear again. Don't quote me because I'm trying to think of it. But it was where he eventually essentially went to the government and said, "Look, I am not." here to fight for america i'm not here to fight for great britain i'm not here to fight for china i'm here to fight for the world and so he renounced his citizenship and went from there and cap did a very similar thing too yeah i mean todd uh, what, what's your thoughts on uh on uh, on these things since you've been a little uh, quiet on the subject i'm a little bit quiet it's interesting thing i always like to think of a libertarian bent how much do we trust the government um we do trust the government to have a police force we do trust the government to take care of our roads I don't want to trust the government to decide who I bank with or how I spend my money or whether or not I can buy ice cream. So I don't want the government to tell me what is good for me. But at the same time, if you roll at the libertarian end and say the role of government boils down to the protection of property, it says really that's what you want to do. I just want Uncle Sam to. It's the protection of property and the promotion of trade and the general welfare of people. 
if there is a group of people and you're watching it and they are not policing themselves, it's kind of the government then steps in. It's like, well, then you're going to get the regulation you deserve because you were unable to handle it on your own. And watching it, because even with this reality show, they were doing it, it was like this B or even this C superhero group doing the reality show, trying to make a name for themselves. And it's really the second or even third deviation of the origination. They want to be famous. Being a superhero is their goal to be famous. And watching this, they do, it showed someone did need to step in because they couldn't handle it and they didn't really see what the issue was. They just saw, oh, look how awesome we are. We're on TV and we're famous. And having at that point in time, I do see it being warranted of someone else stepping in of going, you're missing the point here. And other people are coming in to defend them. And but they do need it. And it was kind of obvious in that regard is they it was the wanton destruction and everything else is just they weren't quite grown up enough yet. Well, uh, they knew need that transition stage in that regard. Well, the interesting thing now that you brought it up, and this is really getting into some idiosyncrasies of this book, but if they were and had a reality show where they were basically, I mean, they're visual antis, mm-hmm. the problem ends up becoming, okay, so say they go after the wrong guy. They've now put that guy on national television as a suspect when he has done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. So legally, the American government had kind of fallen behind, if you look at it, by not regulating them from earlier on and, and handling this problem. Because, like, theoretically speaking, there should have been tons of lawsuits for this show. And you got to imagine if these guys are some small fried potatoes, you know, um, they're going out being vigilantes, that there had to have been, you know, a larger scale of this. This must, you know, this could have been the e-network version of... Um, you know, the reality TV show for superheroes, and there had to have been something on mainstream television, you've got to think. Um, so that becomes a really interesting issue as to, you know, why hadn't the government stepped in before that at that point in time? You know? Yeah, and you need something, what is the hair that breaks the camel's back? And this might have been it with the government's like, you know, as all the challenges we've had, they do do good things, but as this crops up, he's like, now we have to do something about it because it's just proliferating and is the good outweighing the collateral damage. And the collateral damage is growing to a point that they're like, this is not okay. And even with um, Tony Stark and he's going things like, they don't have it together and they do need some training and they need some regulating. And it's this new generation that doesn't really have quite the um, essence of like the original set coming through. They, they like the trappings of it, but they don't really get the why the trappings were there. And they're there for more of the fun and to, they're for the fun of it. They're acting like a bunch of college guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and I'm sure we will get to the book, The Boys, at some point in time, which kind of delves into that sort of side of what mm-hmm. potentially superheroes could be as well. I don't know if you've ever read The Boys, Adam, or not. I think Todd actually is the one who originally recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially a secret government agent that is a uh, built to uh, enforce when superheroes go awry. So basically they're saving lives, but then they're having, you know, massive orgies and keggers on the side, and, and these guys come <laughs> yeah. in and, and uh, kick some ass. And I think there's, there's talk, there's always talk of there being a movie of it at some point in time. Actually, I think what they're doing, if I understand correctly, is that uh, is either Stars or Cinemax picked it up mm-hmm. uh, with Seth Rogen doing it because of the stuff he's doing with Creature. So they are planning yeah. to do a TV series with it, so. That'd be Which, great. I mean, for a Showtime, I think that's the appropriate thing. It is a 
can be a completely and utterly filthy comic book, but it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting you, you brought up the whole thing with the, the, the government being, being involved. Why wasn't the government there? And they kind of made the point that, well, this has never really happened before. Like, yes, there's been some collateral damage and, you know, this has happened and there's been bad things have taken place. But this is the first time that, you know, like I said, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back that kind of woke up the beast to be like, whoa, what the hell's been going on here? Um, you know, we've let this kind of go because, yes, in the long run, the ends justify the means. You got rid of the bad guys, um, and we can we can rebuild buildings. But you just killed a bunch of people for basically bullshit reasons, just because you mm-hmm. want to be famous. Um, and that's in it's kind of how they're addressing it in the movie coming up too. Whereas it's not a registration act. It's like, look, you guys destroyed New York, you destroyed Sokovia. You know, you've done this. You you brought these hell carriers down, and even though it was all done to fight evil the fallout still remains that you know hey you need to be held responsible for these things and it's again it goes both ways because like well if they hadn't been there what would have happened we'd all be dead so yeah i mean and it's that one issue that kind of always comes up about things it's like okay well you give people um you know a license to drive but you don't give them a license to have a gun and so you could do the same argument of well you know you give people a license to drive you should have have them have to have a license to be a superhero but in all these circumstances you know, you choose to learn how to drive. You choose to go out and buy a gun. In some circumstances, these people, I guess they don't choose to get their powers, but they do choose to be vigilantes. They you do know? choose to act. Yeah, that's a good point. I just talked myself out of that whole comment. Um, so. No, but, I mean, but here's the thing is, think about this. Okay, you, you have some kind of superpower. We'll say you can shoot lasers out of your eyes, like Cyclops mm-hmm. style, right? And you're in New York City, you're walking down the street, and you look down an alley, and you see some woman getting mugged and probably going to get raped and killed. Do you jump in or no? I mean, I think any one of us, if, you know, if we were in that situation, we'd at least call for help and try to go beat the guy up or something. How is that different than him all of a sudden blasting the guy with a laser? I mean, that's the right thing to do, even if it is technically kind of vigilante justice. So maybe you do that and then, or maybe you don't, you pull like a Spider-Man and, you know, next day on the news, oh, this woman was dead. And the guilt drives you to be like, I could have made a difference. So as much as it, you know, the, with the great power comes great responsibility. It's like, if you're given that ability and you're given that, that gift to go out and make a difference, um, you know, they say the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. So in that sense, it's almost like if you were given this gift, it's almost your obligation to use it for the betterment of humanity. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's just, that's just, we, we talked last time about if I was a super villain, what would I do? And uh-huh. the point I made was that I believe I'm, I'm a fair, strong believer in justice. You know, the yeah. world's not always fair, but it's just. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that being said, I'd probably go out there and be a bad person. You know? yeah. you know, I wouldn't just, like, beat up the guy who's a rapist and kill him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's just, but I'm a bad guy. I'm supposed to do that. Uh, yeah. I think it becomes you, I mean, almost you'd probably you, you'd probably do what you'd be Dexter basically. You would do what's just, but do more than the police would probably be allowed. If I was the bad guy, now if I was just a normal superhero, that'd be a different story. But I think you're almost obligated to to do that. But that's just my take. Okay. No, I hear you on that. And at the same time, though, I like the keys to the car. We all learn how to drive a car, but I imagine we, none of us were given a new Corvette our first day out and if you I've never given one I was, I've been hoping for one this whole time <laughs> I still am I'm here with you I still am but if we were given a race car you would expect further instruction than the basic driving lessons with our race car and where and with their point of view of and it comes down to the failure of execution but the idea of training as it yeah. comes through yes we do expect you to help Yes, and you have people with that drive to do help, and what do they do? They join the police force, they join the military, they join the paramedics, 
to get that exact training. You don't right. you don't have rampant vigilantes now, even though we don't have superpowers. What do they do now? But see, in this world, though, they can join the Avengers. They can join the X-Men if they're a mutant. You know, they have, right. they have those outlets that will train them how to channel their powers using the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think it goes back to the original the original premise of this all started because there were a couple of douchebags who wanted to get famous right. and make some money. And, and ruin it for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and another thing which, which kind of bothers me, which I, I just remember from... Um, yeah, a, a couple because I used to read Wizard. I don't even know if that's even a magazine anymore. But it was just, I think it's still around. I think I've seen it. Is it, is it, is it still around? I, I, think I, so. I don't I've know. Seen it. I, I haven't read it in a long time. But you know, they were doing a whole whole article about uh, about Civil War, and, and like one of the things that just kept coming up was there aren't many female characters that are prominent in this in this story there's, mm-hmm. there's a couple of shining moments for female characters but you know when you when you just when you just flip through the story you know there's really not a whole lot of, of you know the female characters sort of taking a lead in in some of the the discussions or things but a, a recurring theme is dagger and she-hulk asses just being prominent fixtures in the art and it's just sort of I mean, I get it. Comics can sometimes, or a little bit of TNA, because, you know, we're gearing more towards the, the straight teenage boy. But it's just kind of like, like, Dagger, for as many times as she's on panel, has very few lines. And there is not a single picture of her using her powers. And okay. it's like, well, so I was like, well, what is she doing there? Oh, because she has a super low cut shirt and a super skin tight butt. There's even a, a, a panel of, hold on, I'm going to see if I can find the, find the picture in here. I can't remember if it's in the big battle at the end or if it's the one versus, um, where Goliath dies. But there's just this picture of, it's like a close-up of Dagger's butt, and like her costume is ripped, like right on her butt, and it's like really, really. That's the thing. Oh, it's, it's in when when Goliath dies. There it is. It is. Hold on. Oh, of course, I don't have page numbers in here. But it's just like really. It's when uh, Falcon. Um, goes to save Captain America, but it's like literally right after Goliath dies. It's just, I don't know. But even the invisible woman who has like a a, a little bit of a shining moment where she, after um, the Thor clone kills Goliath and she's like, all right, I'm done. Even that is just kind of like, okay. And then we kind of don't see her for the rest of the story. um, It's just... (laughs) Okay, so leaving the heady topics because I, you know, we, we can go into some really dark issues. One thing I noticed about this is superheroes are terrible parents. Um, <laughs> like, completely awful parents. Like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to leave your husband, or I'm going to leave my husband with the kids because I believe in something else. Because I, I read this, and maybe it's just because it's a weird parallel, but I also, at about the same time I was reading this book, I was reading um, uh, Deadpool versus Hawkeye. And Deadpool is like a damn good parent compared to the Fantastic Four parents. <laughs> like, like they're like. I mean, so it's like, okay, how bad of? I mean, how many abandonment issues, abandonment issues do you think these kids have, 
with their parents jumping off to save everybody else in the world all the time and abandoning everything to go do something else and leaving their kids behind. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've never been a big Fantastic Four fan, but just again, their experience with them from this book, it's again, it goes back to the whole thing of you know with Reed Richards as far as well, I'm right, and here's why I'm right, and here's I'm going to prove I'm right, and then with his wife, you know, suddenly being like, oh crap, I made a mistake, um, but realizing that he has so much hubris and ego, he will never listen to her, and you know, in her in her defense, I think leaving leaving the kids there was the best thing she could have done. Um, but again, it's like, what would you arrive in the situation where, you know, it's not like you're in an abusive relationship. It's not that he's being bad to the kids. It's just he's going to have his work the wrong way. Um, but where you're going, you know, is going to be dangerous and you can't take your kids with you for fear of what might happen to them. Yeah, but I mean, at that point in time, I feel like if, if you're a superhero and you have children, you really probably shouldn't have them in the superhero compound with lasers and, you know, death rooms and supervillains attacking every five seconds. Like, you really probably should have, like, a hidden house in the, sub- in the suburb somewhere with a au pair taking care of the children and, you know, not letting your crazy life completely mess them up. But, you know, especially if you can afford it. Like, if you're Reed Richards, you can afford to have a really good nanny. <laughs> I would hope so, at least. Yeah. At least a, at least a hot nanny. Well, maybe that's part of the danger. Maybe that's why Sue had to leave. Um, does anybody know why Thor is dead in this book now they're going back? Because I, 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 rec- I re- realize that they talk about Thor being dead, and I don't... Does anybody know that storyline beforehand as well, or is that something we should quiz Q on because he might know? As we look up on the internet to make ourselves sound smarter than we really are... Exactly. He's not dead, from my, from my understanding. He's just not in Earth. He's doing stuff in Asgard. He's just off-world, and then they create the, the clones yeah. and whatnot. Okay. And also, that's the Thor clone. Where the hell? Why? Who, who thought that was a good idea? Who thought that that was a good idea? Because obviously it wasn't people who should be making decisions. Well, I'm, okay. I just thought about this because you brought it up, but if you actually had a Thor clone, if you had the technology of actually being able to Thor, uh, like clone his powers as well as him as a person, why don't you just clone his powers and give them to somebody else? What does it have to be Thor? Well, and it's like some like hybrid cyborg uh, thing. I don't know. Robo-Thor. Yeah, and you also get like the hints that these new um, um, initiative superheroes are also like these um, beta things, which I'm sure comes, you know, comes up later in some of you know, the storylines, because, you know, they're talking about the guys that they made in, I guess, New Mexico or whatever, based on the on the Roman pantheon or whatever. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but okay, whose side would you be on? Would you be on Team... I mean, based on the comic book, not on the story from the movie, mm-hmm. would you be on Team Stark or uh, Team Captain America? I think I'd be on Team Stark. Okay. Uh, and why is that? The um, greater good and understanding in kind of that regard here. No, there's no answer that's going to be simple. I mean, security and safety and freedom. Security and freedom are the opposite sides of the pendulum swing. So if you're secure, you're not free. If you're free, you're not secure. But you have all these superheroes with the superhero powers that can do things. And yet you have the common man that can't. And here in this regard, the um, 
it appears the superheroes are doing more damage than good. And that needs to be put in check. Okay. And I call him there because it needs a check. Okay. Adam, what's your thought? Um, well, I kind of already alluded to it earlier, but uh, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm definitely Team Cap. It's the reason being, like I said, anyone who sacrifices essential liberty for temporary safety deserves neither. Um, and you, as we mentioned before, like, hey, we got these kids of these superheroes, you know, who are, um, are being attacked or in dangerous places. I mean, that was the whole thing that Peter Parker brought up before he showed he was Spider-Man was like, hey, you don't have to worry about coming home to find Doc Ock's arm for your wife, one of his tentacles for your wife, um, mm-hmm. or holding your the woman who raised you hostage. I mean, that's the whole point of having the secret identity. And yes, there are some people out there who can live and, you know, quote unquote, be happy with it, like the Fantastic Four were, but even bad things happen to them. Um, so, you know, that's the pivotal moment is when, you know, well, there's a couple, there's many, but the big one is when you know, Peter Parker reveals his Spider-Man because that's a huge thing. That's not going to affect just him, but I mean, his whole family and his whole world is something different. And if you know, people were allowed to keep their secret identities and could go out and fight as Captain America and then go home and be Steve Rogers with you know your wife and your family, your husband, family, however you are, mm-hmm. um, that's part of the safety that you actually be allowed. Um, and then you can do the whole like, well, you're just telling the government. We're only telling the government who you know Spider-Man really is. You really think the government doesn't get hacked or that someone couldn't, you know, or like someone couldn't get upset and was pissed because Spider-Man didn't save their wife the way they wanted them to. And so they leak it to the public. I mean, anytime you have that kind of human interaction or the chance for something like that to happen, you know, as we, you know, that can happen. And so they say, okay, fine, let's say you just put it in a computer and only the computer knows. Well, we've all seen the movie War Games and knows how that works. So, yeah. um, again, like I said before, I fully understand Tony's side. I can see where he's coming from and why he believes that, but I, just, I, I, I don't believe in sacrificing any liberty just because it'll make the world safer. Not just me. Yeah, and I, I personally, I want to say I'm Team Stark, actually. Like, that philosophically, I think that makes more sense, but I think in an actual world and an actual execution with our government the way it is and the way the world really works, I don't necessarily think he's right. Um, I also don't necessarily agree with his uh, him using you know supervillains to try to back his team and that kind of thing to try to prove a point. I think both of them ultimately their ideal uh, ideals get sort of flawed, which is part of what the story is. And I mean, if they didn't, it wouldn't be an interesting story. And uh, but yeah, but like so, I think if it was like okay, I'm a superhero, these are the two options that are going on, and I have to choose a side early on in the book. I think I would probably be one of those people who would probably choose Tony and then probably switch over to Team Cap later on, um, ultimately, and then probably regret it all completely. I mean, really, in this book, the best character to be is an X-Men, because you just get to stay out of the whole damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and uh, to go back to our first question, uh, I just looked it up. Thor actually uh, had gone into hibernation after stopping Ragnarok, and he was uh, thought that he was lost or missing in battle. So they thought he was just dead or something like that, but he was actually in hibernation when all this happened. So, Okay. All right. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, what, what, what else should I talk about with this? I think I've covered all my bases of things that I didn't like about it. Y- yeah, you have. You have. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm almost afraid to ask this of you after your, your rant. What? 
but uh, would you have a side if you were a superhero? Would you be Team Stark or Team Cap? Oh, 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 oh totally be Team Captain America because obviously that's the better choice. Like the the whole shield thing because it's like as soon as shield gets one little whiff of oh hey we're about to give you more power they immediately start calling their teams of going to get the the, the renegade superheroes cape killers like it's not like oh hey we're we're the um, anti renegade group off to go stun our opponents no they're called cape killers mm-hmm. like that's that's their that's what they start calling them and Maria Hill who in the movies is actually kind of cool. In the comic books is really just kind of a bitch because she, you know, she thinks that because Nick Fury's gone, she can just, like, run the shit. And it's like, meh. It, it, it definitely wouldn't be Team Iron Man. He completely, he completely caved into political pressure and just was like, yeah, so uh, of course we should. This is totally a great idea. And we should totally, no, no, that's, that's really not why you guys got into this, was to do reports to the government. Because because obviously, if they wanted that, if they wanted that when they first started, they would have just gone and worked for the government when they first formed the Avengers. So to close us up, uh, this episode, do uh, you guys have any uh, any closing thoughts on this uh, on this little gem? And or ratings, we'll do that too. Uh, Todd, what's your, what's, how much would you rate this book out of? We'll say out of a scale of five. Well, five being the best, I really think I'd give it a four. Okay. Out of five, and probably my biggest niggling thing at the end of it, they're still fighting, and you've got Captain America that says, I don't even know why we're fighting anymore, and I've just lost the whole point. And everything just kind of ends. I mean, he gets arrested and walked away, but for the most part, people just kind of go home. Well, I mean, he is over seven years old. It could have just been a senior moment. It could have been a senior moment. <laughs> he had to get the country kitchen buffet before it closed. That's well, right. He had to get it before it got dark so he could be, it would be light enough on so he could drive the rest <laughs> home. Right. But I like his um, choice of, well, I guess I'm done fighting and everyone else went, yeah, I guess we're done too. Was uh, a bit. Yeah. Okay, it is a little duess machina on the ending. Okay, I can see that for sure, for sure. So, uh, but I really did enjoy, and I'm not reading a lot of Marvel. They did a wonderful job bringing in so many different characters and having their moments and yet not overshadowing or in that regard there, doing a big mass thousand characters all at once. I thought it was wonderfully done. No, I agree with that because, like, yeah, as I, you know, I only read a few Marvel characters, and there are definitely like a shit ton of characters in there. But it wasn't one of those things where it's like, I've read a few books where it's like, if I've tried reading it, and like, I don't know who that is, I don't know who that is, I don't, fuck, I don't know what's going on here. I'm giving up. And, <laughs> and um, like, like Game, of, Game of Thrones, Marvel, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, there's a few books, and we might dig into a few of them. And if we do, we're definitely, gonna need, I'm going to need a, a spirit guide to help me figure it all out. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, Adam, what's uh, what's your rating on this? So I'm I'm right there with you actually. I'm I'm on a four out of five. Uh, I love this book. I think it's amazing. I think the the ideas and the idea ideologies that are presented here are still very much valid today. I mean, even though this was ten years ago, we're still having the same discussions about national security and what you know government spying on us and everything else. Um, the the two additions to this that make this a perfect five for me, which unfortunately it's we're basing just off the actual trade on itself because mm-hmm. now Marvel and DC goes when they do a, a crossover, then every single character has got 50 billion little issues you want to go pull down and study. And I don't have time for that. So I don't have time to go see all the Iron Man issues and all the Spider-Man issues and everything else. Um, but this does have in, um, uh, it's amazing. Spider-Man. I gotta find it here. Do, do, do crap. Where is it? 
Amazing Spider-Man number 537, uh, which if you want to read the trade, it's part six of uh, the war at home, Civil War. Uh, it's when Cap sits down with Spider-Man and you know gives him the infamous speech. Uh, it's worth owning that title just for the speech. This is my favorite speech of all time, not just comic, but generally <clears throat> in like life. <laughs> um, I'll just read the really end of it. It's he's you know it's, it's Cap talking to Spider-Man, and he says because Spider-Man's trying to decide: Do I stay with Tony? Do I go with the Cap side? Mm-hmm. And he says it doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob says. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. And that just sums up, that, again, that's part of the reason why I'm team cap. That just sums up, and there's a whole long speech. It's like pages and pages long. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, you know, sums him up in just in those few sentences and was what solidifies me on his side um, and it's just absolutely perfect I mean that's that is one of the best speeches I've ever seen and then there's a conclusion to this because a bunch of stuff happens afterwards um, and there's a one shot called uh, Civil War Confession Confession, and it's okay. confession. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Testament against Confession yeah that's um, I went looking for it to try to read it and I couldn't find it yeah I'm, I'm sorry that's, I'll let you log into my comicsology account you can give it there uh, and it's that book is it's just it's tony having a conversation and he's explaining about how hey i i knew that if by doing this i was going to alienate my best friend we would never speak again it's like, but i knew it was right and i knew it was worth it and in the end it wasn't worth it and it's just a beautiful gorgeous book and there's a little uh, prequel after that that kind of explains where he said yes i'm right mm-hmm. um if you take the whole mix that in with civil war then i would give it a perfect five um but like i said you know the actual trade itself before, but if you read it, then immediately go get those two issues or look them up because um, they're absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I, uh, I I will agree with you. Like it, it, the Civil War trade by itself is not perfect. Um, I and I haven't read some of that other elements of it, but I, I do have oh, I have a couple of them. I have like the Runaways Young Avengers trade. I think it's Young Avengers. Um, and the uh, the the war journal, like as a sprawling epic, I think actually probably it, I think we've all kind of agreed that it, it's a five. But this mm-hmm. individual trade by itself, these what seven issues, um, is is great, not amazing. And I think unfortunately, um, you know, some of the more amazing pieces are found in, in other books. Um, so yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the art in this either. Sorry, I just I no, never liked so, the art style. Um, <laughs> I it has that like. For lack of a better term, that it feels like that corporate art look. You know what I mean? That like they had a bunch of different people sitting there in computers, making sure that it was all too glossy and too clean, and therefore it almost lacks a little bit of soul. So it's like um, the Katy Perry approach. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on who listens to this, I have a friend who is a huge Katy Perry fan, and I'll apologize for saying anything bad about her, but <laughs> whatever. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get that. And there's a few books that, like, sometimes when you see that, it almost, it almost is like, it's, it's like you walk into a trailer and you see a big glossy blockbuster trailer, and you're like, oh, it's a big corporate movie. And you almost like sometimes you see other things, and you don't, you don't necessarily think that's gonna have a great story, or it somehow discounts it a little bit almost. And maybe it's a hipster thing. I don't know. Um, but uh, it, you know, that it does kind of have that a little bit. There are some other great books though that are as clean and beautiful art-wise as this book is that still have an amazing story. But yeah, the art is a little 
almost a little overly uh, overly clean. Civil War, meh. I'm gonna give it a solid meh. Solid math. That's your that's your <laughs> official ranking. It's yeah. solid math. Uh, I, I don't know if it's my official rating. I'm just just a, a lot of it was just kind of like you know the, like it, it set up all of these things and then and then you're expected to you know jump right into the eight different comic books that come after this so that way you actually know what happens. You know, it, okay. it just ends with with Captain America being taken away. And it's like, well, there's you know. There still doesn't feel like a resolution. Like the, the, it started off strong with like the shocking, you know, devastating blast, and there's also like this recurring character who's like the mother of one of the children who sort of inspires Tony Stark to to start this whole thing. And like she sort of it's like she she appeared in the beginning to like spit in his face, and then was like all of a sudden she was some like appointed presidential something or other later and it's just like when does that happen like you're like you're, you're like i'm missing something like did this happen like in the iron man tie-in book because do you remember back in the old days once you had let me put push on the nerd glasses and get my cane out so i can yell at the, the little children in my yard but in comic books like, there used to be the little text boxes and you know they've kind of gotten away from those which is fine um but when references like that happened, they would put a little star and at the bottom of the page, it has a little star and be like, go see Iron Man, you know, number 257 to see how this happened. Because I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, obviously I'm missing the story. Something is missing and I don't know where to go find that. There, there used to be like the cross-referencing, or like when, 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 um, once again, back in the day, when all, all the crazy X-Men shit was happening when I started reading comic books in, in the late 80s, early 90s, and, um, you know, I was like, well, wait, what's the fall of the mutants? And it said, uh, this happened way back in the fall of the mutants storyline, and, you know, in X-Men, blah, 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 and it's like, well, oh, cool, now I can go look up those exact stories to find out what it is they're talking about. Whereas like this, I'm like, I have no idea where I'd even go to look for these unless I went into the, you know, the comic book store and asked, you know, comic book guy, hey, comic book guy, I need to find, you know, the Civil War tie-in of Iron Man. <sighs> um, the art is good, aside from, you know, as I mentioned before, a lot of the TNA, which just seemed ridiculous. I felt like the art was kind of like that corporate comic book. It almost felt too glossy. Like, I don't know. It, well, it, it didn't feel it, like it had any soul to it. Well, it, it's definitely moving towards the, like, that, the hyper-realism that happens more now. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, where you can, you definitely feel like, oh, this was colored by a computer, which, which, you know, where you can, you definitely feel like, oh, this was colored by a computer, which they don't have title pages anymore. <laughs> They're too cool for it. They're too no, different. they don't. No, they don't, because, you know, obviously, obviously no one likes traditional comic books anymore. Um, I mean, it says Maury. Hollowell. So I guess it was still technically colored by someone. Yeah, but they could have been using a computer, though. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, recommendations for this week before we uh, move on? Um, I'm 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 so behind right now. I'm trying to catch up on Star Wars and everything else. Um, 
I'm excited though for the, it's not here yet, but they're doing a Han Solo uh, Star Wars oh, yeah. series coming out soon, so I'm excited for that. Um, but the one thing I will say is, if you're not reading the Darth Vader comic, it just keeps getting better and better. So uh, I'm still two issues behind, but every single one, I'm just like, holy crap, this can't. How do, how will this improve? And every single time, it just it's they pull it off. So read Darth Vader. I have the first trade sitting here in my to-be-read pile, which keeps getting bigger and bigger all the time. Um, Todd, do you have any recommendations for this week? You know, I was just this past week, I finally bought and I finished up the um, Closing of Fables. Oh, I haven't finished that yet. I'm still, I think I'm like two trades behind on that, actually. So I just barely finished that up this past week. And it did a wonderful job of just kind of ending and not so much going there's no more story left it's just our time with it is done yeah okay. it was really satisfying in that regard so okay that's good yeah. to hear because I, I i love that book a lot and i mm-hmm. kind of have that fear of how it does feel like one of those books are like how does this ever end you know like that it, it, it could go on forever kind of thing that, right you, and you it really could let them? uh with fables yeah, I've only read I've read the first couple trades. Uh, I got into it when I started playing the the Wolf Among Us, the Telltale Games video uh-huh. game, today, which was fantastic. Um, yeah. Which actually I need to get into that series as well. Um, I loved what I've read of Fables, mm-hmm. but I haven't dove in and read the whole run. Just I think it's the first two, possibly three trades. Okay, yeah, I think there was like cut, cut you off, but no, you're good. I think there's like 24 trades of it. I mean, oh, I've got a lot to go. <laughs> yeah. Massive. And he even did a novella called Peter and Max, and I thought that was fantastic. It's just a straight-up novel. So, yeah, that thing is... The world for that is amazing. Okay. So. Um, I think... Uh, do I have any recommendations for this week? Um, I have been reading Batman versus... Or not Batman. Uh, Deadpool versus um, uh, Hawkeye, the trade on mm-hmm. that. I haven't finished yet, but that's fun. Um, I've enjoyed it, but I'm also a very, very big Deadpool fan. Of of the mainstream characters, uh, it's pretty much Batman and Deadpool are the two that I read the most of. So I'm sure I'll recommend Deadpool on multiple occasions here. Oh, I've actually uh, got a fun Deadpool story. Oh, go for it. So for, uh, for those who, I mean, you might have seen this in the news, um, there, <laughs> yeah. is a, there is a local uh, movie theater up here in Utah called Brewies, and it's a movie theater that's also a bar. And they were recently slapped with a huge fine as well as a threat to have their license revoked their liquor license revoked for 10 days for showing Deadpool um, there's a law in Utah that you can't show um, uh, stimulated, stimulated sexual acts or full frontal nudity at any place where alcohol is being served um, so Ruby's got stuck with this and it's a huge big thing because it's they're being targeted specifically for it and all this crazy stuff's happening mm. um, well today Ryan Reynolds himself tweeted out it's uh it's a good job to see they're trying to legislate, legislate fun, and then on the Indiegogo, uh, uh, what's it called Indiegogo uh, campaign, they're doing to actually help money to pay off the the fine. Uh, we don't know if it's him or not, but someone under the name of Ryan Reynolds donated five thousand dollars. That's to, awesome. So, That's yeah, whether or not it's actually him or just some other you know person pretending to be him, it's still pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's making national news. Uh, they just took the state of Utah to a. Uh, a federal lawsuit over this so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens but I thought it was kind of cool that uh, you know not only did Ryan Reynolds tweet it, but he may have also donated a bunch of money to help the cause that's great yeah um, Ruby's lawyer is uh, Rocky Anderson for yeah. that. Uh the old mayor of Utah and yeah. Salt Lake City and everything else so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens 
Yeah, um, reading into it, they had also been fined before for the Hangover Part Two, mm-hmm. and they had just done that. So, but yeah, I was actually I saw Deadpool at Bruvies. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, when it first came out. So, yeah, I found it hilarious because there's two um, DABC, the department, the Utah Alcohol Chapter, basically came in, bought a ticket, and watched it. And one of their biggest complaints were the closing credits, where Deadpool was on top of that unicorn. And when the rainbows came spouting out of the unicorn's horn, that was one of their big complaints of simulated sex. So, so then, that same being said, you could not show Robot Chicken, uh, a TV show, on that because there is an episode where they have the really geeky character rubbing the horn of the unicorn because it makes the magic come out, and it's white gooey magic that he describes later. So basically, it's the exact same joke, which you could watch on television. At home with a beer, but you could not go to a movie theater and watch something pro- tamer than that joke is actually on. Yeah, pretty much. Yep, absolutely. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Hope you enjoyed that as much as we did, or at least as much as Adam and Todd and I did. Obviously, Q, not much of a fan. Before we leave you, I want to tell you that next week we'll be reviewing the 2015 revival of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so uh, get out your bandanas and your nunchucks, or if you happen to be like me and be more of a Dontello fan, get your bow staff out. Read along with us, drink along with us, be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram and all those good things. Uh, if you like the show, review it on iTunes, and uh, tell a friend, tell a neighbor. You could tell an enemy, but I don't know which good that would do. Until then... Please support your local comic shop, and don't forget to tip your bartender. Promised you before uh, we left that I would have a little tribute to uh, Prince for you. This is a story from my uh, my good friend. Uh, some people call him Tim. Some people call him T-Pain. I like to call him Junebug. Here's a little thing we call Storytime with Junebug. And now, Storytime with Junebug. I was working with the group Purple Rain in Las Vegas. I was their sound engineer. Okay, so one of my very first gigs for these guys, so new, so nervous, right? And um, finally I get all the stuff struck from the stage and I get the booth stuff put away in these two huge dudes. I mean, dude must have been like 6'6", 300 pounds. These two black dudes, they walk up to the booth and um, they're like, hey, who's the guy who's impersonating Prince? And I'm like, oh, let me go get him for you right away, right? So I run in the back and I tell Jay, I'm like, dude, there's these two huge dudes out here, you know, want to talk to you. You need to go out there. So Jason goes out there. A few minutes later, he comes back to everyone in the band and he's like, hey, uh, what is everyone doing tonight? And we're like, nothing. He says, well, Prince wants everybody at 3121, his club inside the Rio. He wants everyone from the show there. So everyone caravans over to the 3121. We go upstairs and the whole front row is just roped off for us. We're like, holy crap sit down prince keeps everyone waiting for like 30 45 minutes easy and he comes out with the arswald the cymbal guitar and he's just looking at jason in the eyes just playing you know and he walks over to jason and he puts the guitar down on his lap and it just stands back and jason chokes he don't pick up the guitar our lead guitarist reaches over and picks up the guitar and just starts slaying the guitar right and prince just reaches over and snatches the guitar out of his hands and just plays for like 
two or three more minutes and kicks everybody out of the whole club right so we're all going back to our cars and we're like dude we just lost our job you know like this dude's gonna send a cease and desist notice to us at any minute in time and um so we go back we're doing our shows on the weekends maybe two weeks later uh morris day jerome terry lewis jimmy jam all these dudes show up in the theater and we're all like dang they come to service the notice they watch the whole show and at the very end they get us all together and they're like hey we just wanted to say prince loves what you guys are doing and you know you guys keep doing it right and because he's a jehovah's witness he would never do any of those songs anymore but you know that was great and that was it that was my experience meeting prince so it's pretty interesting to see uh, prince in in that form of uh vengeance on jason yeah like it, it definitely my face was very scared when i found out who was in the booth that day i'm like that's prince's guy he's gonna fire us all but pretty great Thank you.